Welcome to Neighbor to Neighbor, a podcast focused on highlighting extraordinary individuals and organizations making an impact in our community. Neighbor to Neighbor is produced by WeQ, a not-for-profit cooperative credit union based in Bellingham, Washington. 68% of American families have a household pet, according to a recent survey. It's more common now than ever before. And while we love our cats and dogs, For the most part, we don't realize the healing and teaching power that animals can have. A Bellingham nonprofit takes various groups out to the farm and lets them interact with the animals. From these simple interactions, they've seen amazing things happen. My guest today is Sonia Wingard, the Executive Director for Animals as Natural Therapy. We apologize for the audio quality of this episode. Well, Sonia, thank you for joining me today. What is Animals as Natural Therapy? Well, Animals as Natural Therapy is a safe haven, first of all. It's a farm out in the county, not far out of Bellingham. And it's a place where there's 13 horses living, a llama, goats, chickens, rabbits, dogs, cats. And it's a place where people can go and discover their possibilities without judgment. With beside an animal, animals often have unconditional love, and they don't feel sorry for you. They, um, big giant thousand pound horses, call you into your power. You have to step up to the plate um, because they're powerful, and you have to overcome your fears. They know how to frustrate you pretty well, so you learn how to handle frustrations. Um, so it's it's a place we've been around 19 years, and working with that risk youth. And about 10 years ago, we started working with a handful of veterans every year, too, helping them with post-traumatic stress. So we work with a lot of different kids coming with a lot of different issues. There's a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression. Um, There's a lot of bullying in the schools. So a few years ago, we started a bullying awareness workshop, leadership program for middle school kids, so they could um, learn how what what our human behaviors are that kind of bully other people and be more aware of how we treat each other and how we can stand up for ourselves when we are being mistreated. And the horses and the animals help us teach all that. Okay, so it's it's a, a farm out in the county. You have a bunch of different animals and ultimately your goal is to help folks that are dealing with a few different issues, mainly anxiety, depression, and it looks like bullying as well. Okay. Now tell me about, tell me the story of animals as natural therapy. Going back to the very, you know, spark of the idea, where did this come from? What prompted this program to come about? Well, I was living on this beautiful farm. My kids had grown up the last, they were growing up and moving out and I had some amazing horses and we need something else to do. And I was a nurse and I knew I'd worked with youth for a lot of years. And so I knew that there was a lot of need in the community for animals helping kids. But I had been involved with 4-H for about 20 years at that point. And um, so I had friends who worked at Catholic Community Services um, working with youth. And they started bringing kids out just for the fun of it. And we started to see a new side of these kids. And so the director there, Larry Farr, suggested that we start a nonprofit. And as a nurse, I knew nothing about running a nonprofit, but there's resources in the community that can help you learn that. 
Bushy Score, Senior Corps Retired Executive. The man came from Oak Harbor and met with us weekly and taught us how to get a board together and bylaws and everything else. And um, so that was, you know, 20 years ago, and we got incorporated 19 years ago. And that first year, we had 12 kids. We had, we worked with, there was a facility here for um, youth, a lockup facility for kids who had severe emotional and behavioral problems, the marching center. And we worked with those kids. And actually, I'm still in contact with one of those kids who now, almost 20 years later, has a wonderful family and is a nurse. And at that point in her life, she was extremely suicidal and said that our horse, Taco, turned her life around. Wow. Okay. So you, you had this farm that you were living on and you saw it as a resource, but you didn't exactly know how to use it. And it just kind of seemed to fall in place. Now tell me about the first kids that you ever brought to your farm. Um, what were you thinking when, when they were coming there? What did you hope would happen? And what did you see? At first, I just thought horses smelled good. I thought I'd always wanted one. It took me 32 years to get my first horse. And I just thought it was a, a wholesome environment. There's work to do. There's work to do for the animals. There's animals to hang out with. It's fun to get on top of a horse and see what the world looks like from up there. And I had no idea how this was going to be therapy. It was no, never planned to be therapy as such, natural therapy, just the environment. But then I'll never forget the first time I found out the power of these horses to teach a lesson. So we had an old horse named Babes and she'd gotten a sore on her side. And even though it had healed, it never fully was, it's still sensitive, you know, if you've had a wound, it's sensitive for years. And this one kid had, was severely angry. He was eight and he um, had been violent toward animals, which lots of programs like mine won't take kids who are violent towards animals. But I watched him every second on the farm and one day his mom he was working with our horse babes and one day his mom whispered to me when she dropped him off he's been suspended from school only at only age eight and um i didn't i don't go on kids mental health diagnoses or anything he had a full workup in seattle no one knew how to help his anger the top professionals in seattle we just meet kids where they're at and with this animal. And that day that he'd been suspended, as he walked up towards his horse babes, she reached out and she opened her mouth and she grabbed his arm, which totally freaked me out. <laughs> and 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 he screamed and said, I think she broke my arm. And I says, luckily I'm a nurse, let me check it. I checked, I said, you know, it's not broken. I says, but she doesn't trust you to touch her. And he'd gone to her tender spot two weeks in a row when he knew that was the spot she was supposed to, he was supposed to avoid. And so that day I said, so she's lost her faith in you and so is your teacher. Your teacher doesn't want you back at school right now because she doesn't trust you. Dave doesn't trust you to touch her. What can we do about this? And I literally had no idea. But we brainstormed what Dave's like and he started doing the things that he knew made her feel good. And by the end of this session, he was able to get on her back and ride her bareback around for a few minutes. And so he had rebuilt her trust. So he saw that day that he could rebuild people's trust in him, but he had to make a choice in his behaviors. And he came back 
12 years later at age 20. And I graduated from the college with a degree and in um, uh, uh, trade. And he wanted to say thank you because he said, you guys turned my life around as a kid. I think one thing that sticks out to me in all of that, I mean, is understanding a little bit about how animals, they're very raw. But they, there's a lot of things like as far as, as with the horse, like trust. Like that's something that is true for both animals and for humans. And I think that with humans, we're so, I guess, complex and there's so many different layers. But in interacting with an animal, it's just so raw and it's just, you know, at a, at, to the core, you know, things like being gentle, being uh, trustworthy. I mean, those are all things that people need, but people aren't necessarily going to show you the same raw, apparent way that animals are. Uh, so that's, it's fascinating to see that kind of like crossover. There are some of these things that, that, um, that translate over. It sounds like when you first started the program, you didn't necessarily know that you were going to try and draw metaphors out of the different things. You were just like, you know, I wonder what the kids are going to learn. And just, you just saw the, uh, the opportunities and um, you help, and it sounds like you try and help people make those connections. Talk more about that learning process of exactly seeing how animals can help as natural therapy. So a couple years in, uh, a friend of mine, Sally, who's been a, um, Sally Bevan, she's been an outdoor um, high ropes trainer, took kids on high ropes courses and everything. So she taught me a lot about experiential education. And we sat down and that's where we got the metaphor piece and started to develop more intentional programming and how to, we create, we have a contract that we all agree to ahead of time to keep each other physically and emotionally safe. And that's really a basic part of our program because you can't change how you are in the world and how you present yourself if you don't feel safe. If we've got a group of teens there, they've got to know that they're not going to be laughing. Someone else is going to be laughing at you. So because we have an ability to spread out in the barnyard too, we can get kids can have their own personal relationship with their horse, separate from anybody else, but also in the group time, kids learn that it's a safe place to be vulnerable. And um, so physically, emotional safety, giving these two respectful feedback and work as a team, and that's our basic contract. And we all agree to that. And so if, if someone's starting to get snarky or, you know, the mentors, the staff, we all have to... We, we don't see that we're there fixing anybody. We are all in the soup together because we are getting as much out of it sometimes as the, as the clients or as the people coming there because we are continually called to grow and look at ourselves deeply, vulnerably, too. So it's a challenging place to work in that way. Yeah. How many people work there? Well, we have about 12 staff, mostly part-time. Mm-hmm. And how many groups or people do you have join you per year? We work with about at least 300 youth a year. And they come in groups, maybe seven might come from the school. We have 45 who, teens who live in a residential uh, drug and alcohol treatment facility. And after four months of lockup, they get to the recovery house. And during that time, they come twice a week to the farm. And that's really powerful for those girls. We've been doing that for about 15 years. And they go back all over the state and they 
learned empowerment skills. Um, the things that they, it's really fun because they often talk at our tours and our events and they will say that, you know, the first relation, the first respectful relationship I've ever had in my life was with this horse. I'd never seen one before here and this is my first one. These kids, some of them have been trafficked, um, have trafficked themselves for drugs and um, some of them come from some pretty horrific lives and it's really beautiful to see what beautiful young women they are when they get beside a horse and start believing themselves. Wow. That's fascinating in that, I mean, you, you said earlier that animals just unconditionally love you. They don't have any notions about you. They don't judge you for anything. They treat you as a person. And when perhaps your whole life you've had a different experience with people, to see that there's that side of things and to know what that looks like and to look for it in other relationships, that's that's really, really cool. Now talk to me about you said that a main thing that you look at helping out with is anxiety and depression. How do the animals help with that? You know, I know a little bit of that piece, but like I'm thinking specifically of, of one girl who, um, Hispanic, didn't feel safe in her high school, um, was suicidal, cutting herself, seriously considering how she was going to kill herself. And she built a relationship with our horse, Susha. She's our grandma horse. She's 32 now. She's still going strong. And, um, and now that girl is in community college. Five years later, she still volunteers with us. And she, I think, I facilitated lots of those sessions, but I don't really know exactly what happens other than there's this unconditional connection with this horse and I would help her think of things happy places in her life and she'd put pictures in her binder so that during the most stressful time of her school day she could look at that picture um, but she wrote Susha some amazing letters um, one of which she had us put on our Facebook page a few years ago but this is a quote from her Susha to me you are my best friend and I just want to say that you made such a big impact in my life Seeing you every week has stopped me from ending my life and giving in to my urges. I'm not sure how that happened. Um, one of our veterans who came there three years ago, a woman, she said, how can this help me? How can animals help me? And she didn't even want to touch the animals. And now three years later, I just got an email from her saying that I'm so excited about my life. And that was not the case when she came to us. And it's, I don't know how it helps exactly the depression, but the anxiety I know how it helps that. We had a young man who, um, he'd been in foster care for 12 of his 16 years. He came to us. He didn't want to be there. He came to his foster agency. Um, he didn't want to be around horses. And his second or third week there, we had his horse, horses pick you. So we let horses pick people when they come to the farm. We watch how the horse interacts with each person as they come. And there will be a horse that goes, I have this kid. I've got this person. I'm gonna got I've got some lessons for this person. They very intuitive. They've survived for millions of years in the wild, horses, by being intuitive. And it's kind of hard to believe, but they're very intuitive about reading predators. So they read us and we just trust 
that the right horse and the right person are going to get together. And um, but this kid had this younger horse, and I the horse was very nervous with the boy touching him because the horse is near us. He was picking up on this boy's anxiety. So I said, let's go let him play in the round pen and kick off some of that energy. So we went into the round pen, and I'm with the boy, the young man, 16-year-old, and I have a rope and a lead rope and stuff in my hand, but we let the horse go loose. And he runs and kicks and bucks and farts and runs all around the round pen, having a great time. And suddenly he stops, he looks at us, and he's terrified. And I noticed that the boy next to me has gotten increasingly scared. And I had told him, I can swing this rope. If he comes near us, I'll keep him away. I know that him flying around like that is kind of scary. But the, this young man was very scared. And so the horse picked up on that. And then the horse got terrified because he goes, if those humans are terrified, I'm, there's something scary. So he ran over to the fence and the gate and was throwing his body full force against this old fence of ours. I was sure it was going to break, but... He wanted out of there. And I said to the young man, and my nursing background is really good for this because I can stay calm in these situations. And I said, he really wants out of here. And you said today that you had a bad day at school and that you wanted out of there. He said, yeah, in fact, I ran away. And I didn't know at that time that he ran away four days a week often. And he was always running. And um, so I said, well, we, Obrigado can't run away. And he's terrified. So we need to practice some deep breathing. And calm ourselves down because he's picked up on this fear and then we see what happens. So we started doing deep breathing. We calmed this young man down and Obrigado quit racing around. He calmed down. He saw that the fear was gone and he walked over and put his head in this young man's chest just very calmly. And from then on, this young man called me actually a few weeks ago to check in. He's four years ago that this happened. And he's 20 or 21 now. And um, and he, this horse, made it so he, the next week, went to his principal and asked to be in a regular classroom. He'd never been in a regular classroom in his entire life because all he did was run. But he saw with that magnificent horse that he could calm himself down and this other huge creature. And he started to get empowered. So that's just one of my favorite pictures of anxiety handling, but it's little tiny things. It's like cleaning a horse's hoof. Some of these kids on parent night, their parents are blown away that their tiny little 10-year-old is standing next to this big thoroughbred, picking his hoof up and cleaning it. And, it, you know, the parents have a lot of anxiety. The kids, they see their kids coming out of anxiety and into empowerment, and the kids start behaving totally differently at school. We get a lot of kids referred from school counselors who are really antisocial, really angry kids. And coming to the farm and working on a relationship with the horse for a year can really shift that. And it has. And we see these blossoming kids instead. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. I'm going to pause for a moment as I let this bus go by. So, I don't know. I think it's, it's fat. I love the part that you said that about the depression thing, it's like, I don't know how it works, but it, it kind of does, and I think to a lot of the listeners, a lot of people listening to this, especially if you haven't experienced something like this firsthand, you know, I think we automatically try and conceptualize something like intuitively or cerebrally, um, but 
it's not until you like understand how an animal um, like working with an animal you kind of when you're trying to get them to to recognize an emotion in themselves that's different then you kind of think about your emotion in yourself like he was like I recognize what this guy's feeling like and the automatic question is what do what what would what would he what does he need to change so I think that it's those sorts of like reflections on emotions that um, that are kind of fascinating and, and I can see how um, in many instances you wouldn't have that opportunity unless you have that learning opportunity unless you were to experience that with the animals um, so tell me a little bit more about your background you said you didn't have a horse until you were 32 years old and did you grow up with other animals? I always had a dog. And um, I was the youngest kid. And the other kids were older. And the, the sibling closest to me still to this day does not like animals. <laughs> and so, um, and we didn't have a lot in common about what we liked. I liked the outdoors. And so my dog was always my companion. And um, I had cats through high school. I think I, I may have had some ADD going on in high school, but my cat would sit on my lap and while I typed up my papers, because, you know, I'm old enough that we had no computers. It was the old typewriter and, uh, and the easy race paper. <laughs> and um, anyway, so yeah, I always had an animal in my life to be my friend and be a comfort to me. And um, yeah. And then when we lived in the city of Seattle, we had rabbits. That was the first thing, and then as soon as we got enough space, enough money, we had a first our horse, and then now there's 13 of them there, six of which are mine. 13 horses. We have 13 horses. Wow. Three of them are miniature horses, oh. and they don't like to be seen as cute little things. They are just as powerful as, in, as teachers, but they also get to go to nursing homes, so we have an intergenerational program where kids get to take the small animals, the rabbits and the chickens and the dogs, and sometimes the goats if it's an outdoor visit, and the miniature horses to visit elders and build friendships intergenerationally and see that they can make a difference in someone else's life and bring joy to them. So teenagers who are often feeling disconnected in our society and not valued yet, they can start seeing that they can contribute and have a value. And the elders feel valued that someone wants to come visit with them and it brings back memories even those with dementia one lady had not spoken for eight months and when she got her heads on her hands on little toby she started calling in the herd of horses she had 40 years ago oh, wow. just the smell and the feel of the fur so toby's one of the miniatures so it's the stuff that happens in the intergenerational visits is just like oh, it's really hard that's so cool. We get the, the kids involved and rather than kind of everybody telling them what to do and how to feel like they perhaps are able to, to translate that to other folks and to kind of think beyond themselves and beyond their own situation. Yeah. So, and it, and it sounds like you, you had experienced the help of, of animals dating back to when you had, you know, growing up and, and it just kind of happened that that came full circle as you had the farm and, and you were saying, what am I going to do with this? Right. And my first job in high school was with retired people in a retirement home. 
I worked in the kitchen and served the meals. And so I always had a love for elders. So I was able to build that into this, um, this intergenerational piece. So my love for animals and love for elders and love for kids. So, yeah. Are there other programs like this across the country? Is this We first modeled our program um, on one from New York, upstate New York, called Green Chimneys. And it's, it's, there's lots of equine therapy programs across the country and the world now, but there are not a lot of ones that incorporate all the animals. And lots of times you'll have kids who are traumatized and they are really afraid of those big horses. And so little horses help, or even the goats and the llama, the llama's really mellow, or sometimes they just need time with a rabbit. So scientifically, they've studied like petting a rabbit or petting a horse lowers your cortisol, your fight or flight response. So one high school kid, when he would arrive in a van full of other high school kids from his special ed class, just the riding in the van with these other boys was really traumatic for him. And the first thing he would do is he'd ask for a rabbit on his lap. And we coined it, he coined it fuzz therapy. So he would just have a rabbit on his lap during check-in and everything. And after that, he was able to work with his horse. Mm. But the rabbit calmed him first before wow. he got with the big horse. Yeah. So they all play a part. So that's why I'm glad we have all these animals. So we need more programs that incorporate all the animals. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, what's the future for your program? We have friends in various places that want to have more ant programs. Like we've, we're working with some Swinomish tribe down in Skagit. Um, and there's a friend with a, some horses down there. We might be able to start a little satellite down there. Um, we've talked about a lot of our kids who graduate, you know, they've been through our program. So we're trying to find locales around the county of horse-minded people where these kids could go and groom horses. If anyone out there listening has a, a farm and, and you know, we would, they would come, the kid would come with recommendations. They wouldn't be, you know, we wouldn't send a kid that was, you know, dangerous or, or something there. But um, a lot of our kids need that, that ongoing connection with a compassionate adult mentor and a, and a horse in their life. And so because we're pretty much at maximum what we can serve on the farm, um, we want to just keep kind of disperse into the community and, and we've also helped other organizations. We helped another nonprofit get going, um, met with them because the women from um, a shelter needed horse time and we didn't have and so they got their program going to work with women who've been trafficked. And so we've kind of mentored other groups to try to help other groups get going. So there's more of it. Yeah, kind of expanding the reach. At least horse, they're all horse groups. Well, is there anything else that you'd like to add? Anything, any other part of your story that I may have missed? Um, I can always cut stuff in. And like, I think, I think the biggest takeaway is that we've got a lot of hurting kids, and we can easily live our own little narrow life and not be that. When we're just surrounded by our group of friends, the people we're comfortable with, the people we hang out with, we don't see the pain in the community. But Whatcom County has a lot of pain. There's a high dropout rate for high school kids. Kids don't feel safe at school. Those were from 
surveys done before the, all the school shootings. Um, so it's a place where bullying can go on. Um, it's, I feel like we need to transform our community, the whole world, into being more people being more compassionate with each other. And I think that the animals can help us learn compassion. Um, as we learn compassion with the animals, and then we transfer that to having compassion for our neighbor who we don't get along with, or someone else at school that we don't know. Um, trying to get, trying to influence the world in building their compassion quotient, in a sense, to just really care and have a deep concern, but also you can't have that unless you believe in yourself. So at the farm, a lot of the most traumatized, like we, our day camps are open to all kids. They're just empowerment. So board members send their grandkids, you know. Our day camps are open to everybody. But our after-school programs are work with a lot of kids in our school time programs, work with a lot of kids year-round who have had a lot of trauma. And a lot of kids in foster care, a lot of adopted kids. And the community may not see those kids until they're in trouble or they read about them in the headlines. And, but they're the kids who really need our support. 90% of the kids who come to Ant are low income. So we really are relying on the community to support these kids and this transformation because otherwise they're going to grow up and be a huge burden on the society. So we need to help them, direct them in the right way, and the animals often help them see themselves and their possibilities instead of their failings. And, yeah. Well, amazing. I've, I've really enjoyed kind of learning about your program and, and obviously a lot of the stories that illustrate just the impact that it's having. So I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for listening to Neighbor to Neighbor, a community-driven conversation highlighting individuals and organizations making an impact in our community. Neighbor to Neighbor is produced by WeQ. Unless specifically stated otherwise, WeQ does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast, and information from this podcast should not be referenced in any way to imply such approval or endorsement.